saying how much they want a strong woman. What they really want is a cheerleader. I'd like someone who's physically very frail and won't stop talking. I just want what everybody wants. I seem to have a harder time getting it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Maximum Film. It is episode 285, and we got some Jewish people looking fly. It's your host, Ify Wadiway, and in the booth with me are my friends. So let me introduce you to them. First up, we have, by my own saying, America's favorite critic, <laughs> Ronald Duran. Fight me. What's good? Well, you know, Ify, as much as I, I like to constantly remind people about the importance of physical media, I do love a streaming service. I love my Ooh. Criterion channel, my Canopy, my Tubi. Um, and I found one this week when I was searching for something randomly in, in my Roku. And I don't know what it is. I don't know who owns this. I don't know if they have the rights to have the stuff that they have. So, like, go find this thing now because for all I know, it's going to get taken down at, at any moment. But there's a streaming service called Movie Land TV. I don't know what it is. I don't know who owns it. It's a, it is a complete mystery to me. But they have a film that is next to impossible to find right now in regular circulation. It has not been released on home video in ages. Uh, it's hard to even like track down prints of it if you want to screen it. Uh, they are screening the 1972 sleuth starring Lawrence Olivier and uh, Michael Caine. One of the films that Ryan Johnson cites as an influence to the original knives out a great fun comedy mystery uh, based on the play by Anthony Schaefer, directed by the great Joseph L. Mankiewicz. And uh, somehow it's on this service. So uh, run now, like pause this episode, download Movieland TV on your, your thing, watch Sleuth and come back because it could be gone in, in any moment. For sure. But it's there, it's there now and I want to tell you that it's there now and you should see it. That is one I remember looking for at the at when Knives Out came out, yeah. and I feel like it wasn't available anywhere. Yeah, it's in this weird I've limbo. I've not seen it. Like that one and the 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 original Heartbreak Kid. Like it's one of those things where like the company that made it doesn't even make movies anymore, and who knows who has the holding rights to the big you know. So yeah, it, but it's there. It is there. I watched it in its entirety. And you brought up uh, original Heartbreak Kid, one of my all time favorite movies in the world. Yeah. Call me Charles Grodin. A classic. Uh, R.I.P. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, you know, that other sultry voice you're listening to is none other than the queen of the Midwest, super festival programmer and producer, Drea Clark. What is good? If my voice is neither sultry nor sweet, and you often refer to me as either, and God bless you for it. What a good kid. Um, okay, heartbreak kid, if you will. Ah, uh, he's a real heartbreak kid. This one. Oh yeah. Um, what is good for me are all the names I'm about to drop because it was the Spirit Awards nominee brunch this past weekend. Rasha um, Shah. Yeah, and I got to meet so many great like creatives and actors. I got to meet Dale Dickey, whom I adore. Oh, she's, she's nominated great. for a love song. Theo Rossi from Emily the Criminal, um, Jonathan Tucker, who I've been a fan of oh. since like I he's around my age. He starred in this film called Sneak Sleep Sneakers when I was young. Uh, sleepers, sleepers. Yep, wrong. Sneakers, something else entirely. Yes. Sleepers, very traumatic. Um, he also played the Crispin Glover uh, role in the recent Charlie's Angels. Um, <laughs> but most excitingly, of course, I. I met Kate Blanchett, who is a tall Amazon goddess 
with mm. uh, an intense gaze. And I was like, I'll vote for you. What are you asking me for? You're just saying, huh? <laughs> okay, uh, whatever you want, ma'am. Thank you and your pantsuit. But also, I got to small talk with Paul Mescal from Aftersun. Wow. For, like, for what felt like forever. None of my friends took a surreptitious photo of, of me. I was like, you guys, everyone here is the worst. You're all fired. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. How dare never they? call me again. You had one job. I shouldn't have had to tell you that was your one job. Are you kidding me? Standing there with him in his fashionable blouse shirt for how long and his beautiful, sparkly eyes? And he could be my son. And none of you took a photo. <laughs> How dare you? But it was a treat. It was, oh my God. And Tramel Tillman from Severance, whom I think is incroyable. Yeah, it was just a lot of very cool people. And um, I finally met Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, the guys who made Something in the Dirt. They've made ah. a ton of indies where they direct them. They're the only actors. Like, they're very hands-on indie artists, so fan of theirs. I, I love that for you, Drea. Thank you so much. Good Robert. room for you to be in. Yes, yes. Yeah. Very fancy. Did he, yeah, very and fancy. It, did you, like, go up to him and be like, hey, look, I put you on. You remember when I put you on? Yeah, I was like, hey, I'm for sure the most important person in this room. That's how I always <laughs> enjoy Oh, my God, and I met Joel Kim Booster. I should have led oh. with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah He's the best. Yeah. He's nominated for writing Fire Island, which we all love. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. Okay, Ooh. I think I'm done with the names. I think I'm done. <laughs> All right. Well, let me say one more name, and that is the name of our guest. Extremely hilarious. Extremely funny. Do that mean the same thing? Who cares? Comedian Kenise Mobley, what is good? Hi. Hello. It's so nice to be here. Yeah, it's Yay. nice to have you here. How are you feeling, huh? I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, you guys just said a lot of cool film stuff, and I feel like, man, this is this is going to be a cool this is going to be a cool conversation. Yes. <laughs> Here's hoping. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. So you got anything good going on? Uh, we appreciate yeah. oh, updates yeah. on good snacks, good naps, skincare, vistas, pretty much anything. Okay. Speaking of vistas, uh, I decided that. So ever since I was a child, I've looked up to the movie The Thomas Crown Affair and I and Under the Tuscan Sun. And I feel like I'm getting to the age where I have to just like make those things happen for myself. So I have rented an apartment in Rome for a month that I'm going to go. Wow. <laughs> um, wow. Amazing. I love that. Under the Tuscan Sun was like one of my happiest pandemic views. I think I watched it three times when things were in like lockdown days. Yes. <laughs> nice. I hope yours is less crumbly. You'll possibly yeah. have less Polish workmen. But hopefully. Not at, not at where I am sleeping, but in general, I'm yes. not going to rule it out. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Yeah, no, the good kind of Polish workmen you totally want to have. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I'm not yeah. The slightest. <laughs> I love that. That's exciting. Indeed. <laughs> Ify, what about you? What's good? Oh, what's good with me? Uh, even though Kenise was not uh, turned or excited about this, I did go to the Obscure Distillery, uh, which is uh, which, which it says it's invite only. You can only get there through text message. But yeah, it's a distillery in California in the pandemic. And basically in the to allow distilleries to supply alcohol for sanitizers, they kind of changed the laws in which now 
distilleries can serve alcohol and there's no like, you know, tasting limits. So this is uh, the first distillery to try and like take advantage of that. Um, I looked up the Yelp and it was, it's been described as a cross between Pirates of the Caribbean and a mystery dinner. Um, so if that Wait, doesn't. Wait, is that uh, true? Would you agree with that assessment? There's like a there's like a mystic level to it it's designed it looks like a tavern there's a person doing art the whole time just silently so you can look and see someone doing some art there they give the story behind the the drinks because they like it was a gin a brandy that they can't call a brandy and a rye uh and they yeah, call it a monica explain- <laughs> <laughs> Knocked it out the park. Thank you so much, Alonzo. But yeah, it it was really good. I I went ahead and I got two bottles. I got the brandy because I love a brandy. Uh, And I got the rye. And I have a little old fashioned I made with it for, you know, the seven o'clock record uh so yeah it, it, it's good the if, if if the presentation is too much the i will say the spirits themselves are really good okay wait okay yeah. question um did any of you guys watch pirates of the caribbean and think i want to experience that? <laughs> <laughs> is that what you guys you guys do I have really to roll down do a hill with a giant wheel? Based on being there, I think they mean the ride. Uh, you know, <laughs> oh, that's even funnier. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, which is the funniest way to describe it. But it definitely is like I'm looking around. I'm like, oh, these are some folks who love D and D, and but it's very like cute to have the story behind it, and you know, and and it's also very funny to just see the range of people that are there because yeah, the advertising right now is just like a invite only uh distillery experience so it's just a bunch of and then the dress code was all black which i love you know as a man with over three like i have four harnesses leather harnesses i love a all black affair i love anything that you know seems like you absolutely did not have to mention an accessory to discuss yeah. your black wardrobe, but you no, led you with just, it. You led with you know, it because you know how serious I am. I you do. know, like when it when people try and do that vanilla kink. There's a lot of vanilla kink stuff where it's like we we <sighs> like the kink aesthetic. No one's gonna get only you, know, you are gonna flogged. take your distillery plug, and suddenly we're discussing levels of kink. <laughs> and not that there aren't leather harnesses that come in other colors besides black, right. But that's a whole yeah. other topic. Also, what's wrong oh, yeah. with the fashion harness i own a couple of fashion harnesses oh, they yeah, go you know, over it's an outfit totally. okay but about? yeah but that might be stolen valor have you considered that <laughs> have you considered stolen valor, stolen valor. <laughs> if you ain't had somebody over your lap i don't know why you're throwing oh on a harness God. rude rude i'm sorry this is this kind of shaming for fashion choices it's not kink shaming it's like non-kink shaming and i won't stand for it it's Fashion shaming. Stop vanilla shaming yes. her. Yes, yeah, stop oh. vanilla shaming. Well, you know, uh, you know. Speaking of alternative lifestyles, we'll be unpacking Kenya Barris's Netflix comedy, "You People." Then we'll take a hotline call about movies with wasted potential. But first, it's time for Ada Dick. It's our movie news segment, which stands for "Is This Important? Do I Care?" Where we go through the week's movie news and answer the question: Is it important, and do we care? Alonzo, kick this thing off because I know you've been waiting to talk about it. Okay, now everybody, you might want to set up your. Um your your uh, homeland yarn board at home because this one is going to get a little complicated. I'm going to try and walk <laughs> us all through it and have it make sense. Okay. Hollywood is crossing the streams this week. Paul King 
director of one of the greatest films of all time, Paddington 2, was announced as the director of an upcoming Sony movie about Fred Astaire starring Tom Holland, who, of course, got his start in the uh, Broadway musical, or the West End musical, rather, of Billy Elliot. And the original script for this Paul King Fred Astaire movie is currently being rewritten by Lee Hall, best known for writing the screenplay of the original film, Billy Elliot. Meanwhile, another Fred Astaire project called Fred and Ginger is now on its feet as an indie co-production. In that one, the role of Fred Astaire will be played by Jamie Bell, who made his film debut playing Billy Elliot. Is this important? Do you care? I'm absolutely seeing both of these the weekend they come out. This is so my shit. I love Fred Astaire so much. And I also love whatever nonsense they do with him. Like, I know one of them, the Tom Holland one, is centered around his relationship with his sister, who was his dance partner growing up. And they were like child vaudeville actors and whatever. Um, And then they... Stars on Broadway. Yes, they were major Broadway stars. Um, they that was he had this very famous. His first screen test was right after like their thing, where the the very famous note about him was can't sing, can't act, can dance a little. Which, I think balding was in there too. Yeah, yeah let let that give any uh, worried aging artist uh, a little. You bump of happiness, but also the fact that like his sister got a little taller than him. I just there's interesting dynamics there. Whereas the um, Jamie Bell one is about obviously Fred and Ginger, so a yes. different and about kind of them developing their professional relationship. Um, and I I'm think Margaret Qualley is going to be playing Ginger Rogers. Yes, which I like. She's a fabulous yeah. dancer. Um, has actual dancing chops. Both of those guys we've seen dance. I obviously would love to see Tom Holland somehow put a reprise of Umbrella in this. <laughs> and yet I feel he will not. Maybe, maybe not this project. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I love the idea of dueling Fred Astaire movies. You know, we they're, they're the new volcano uh, asteroid yes. and Truman, Truman Capote. Um, so, uh, yeah, and, and you know, both these these performers can dance like crazy. So I don't, I mean, like I have to admit uh, in recent years, the, 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 the biopic is really kind of worn out. It's welcome mm. with me. And I think that the worst thing we did was give Oscars to Rami Malek and um, Jessica Chastain, just because it means more biopics coming down the pike. Um, you know, we'll see how Austin Butler fares this year. But anyway, uh, if you're going to do, Somebody, you know, who whose life is cinematic and who, you know, like you had a had a skill that you want to recreate in a movie, it would be Fred Astaire. So uh, I'm, I'm really curious to see both of these. Mm, also, yes. I love dancing in movies. So I hope these are chock full of beautiful partner dancing. Well, but I'll tell you this. Astaire was a, a noted perfectionist and yes. would rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse until he got it absolutely right. I've seen in That's Entertainment 3, there's a split screen thing where like he shot an entire number without a jacket on and they decided to do it again with a jacket on and they put him side by side and they are identical. He has got it so down that he's doing it all right. So I want the, the makers of these movies to a lot for rehearsal time so that we can see these dance numbers in one fluid shot and not chopped up into a million pieces in the editing room. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I, 
I think Tom Holland, you know, after that umbrella performance is going to nail that. He, I think he is going to get the number down and that's going to be the one to look out for. That's my prediction out of the two Fred Astaire biopics. I think uh, I'm, I'm, I'm saying Tom Holland's going to be the, the breakout one. Really? Okay. You don't think Jamie Bell with his weird angular face is going to do it nice? He's got his I, face says angles and like a story behind it. Tom Holland's just like what? Gee Willikers! Like he's like there's a there's a youth and a kind not a dumbness. I'm not saying dumbness. He's probably a very intelligent person despite what he said about Martin Scorsese. But I don't think he has like the the life experience on his literal face that I would like to see there. I like. Yeah, that. I get that, but I think uh, when it comes to the physical aspect, I think uh, the youth is what's going to help. Okay. Uh, yeah, someone who's tumbled down a slope uh, and then got to the bottom and was like, "Oh man, that hurt!" And this kid was like, "Yeah, I fell on my spine a week ago, and I was like, you know, I was hurting for a day, but yeah, I'm back at it today." I was like, "Oh, okay, so that's the difference between my 30s and the uh, <laughs> the 20s." Oh, my God. Um, well, I also think they're in the right ones because Tom Holland is playing the more youthful one. Um, so there you go. Hey, guys, speaking of movies, mm-hmm. Warner Brothers was very slow to release Magic Mike's Last Dance box office numbers last weekend, even though it was number one. Super Bowl weekend is never huge at the box office. This year was no different. Magic Mike's Last Dance was the only major movie put to open this weekend. And it won the weekend with a little over $8 million, which is not a lot of dollars for them. For me, (laughs) I wouldn't say no to it. Nevertheless, Warner Brothers didn't release the film's box office numbers for Thursday previews nor did they release the customary weekend estimate on Saturday morning. This might be because the numbers weren't impressive, but still, it's $8 million they wouldn't have had if they'd stuck with their original plan of sending it straight to streaming on HBO Max. Is this important? Do you care? This release is kind of bananas because, uh, yeah, originally this was just going to be an HBO Max movie, which a lot of the last few Soderbergh films have been Kimmy was and the Meryl Streep on a boat one. Um, I I can never remember what it's called. Uh, But the thing about this one was that they decided to put it in theaters, but then they only put it in like 1500 screens, which is sounds like a lot, but it's about half of the number that magic Mike XXL opened on. So Warner brothers is uh, to quote my friend Dennis Hensley, occupying like occupying the real estate squarely between shitting and getting off the pot when it comes to <laughs> theatrical. Like, are they going to stream? Are they going to remain committed to theatrical? kind of splitting the difference they're sort of throwing a bone to like you know amc and regal and those guys to like give them a little something and thinking like well maybe if women don't watch the super bowl they'll want to come see the magic mike movie but they didn't give it a full bore release the way that they have with previous ones i know people who didn't even know that it opened this week yeah um so yeah it it, and so and then to like well now that we've done it in this half-assed way we're not going to release our half-assed numbers it's like Pick pick one, Warner Brothers. It does show how arbitrary the release of numbers is. Like, True. They, yeah. you know what I mean? Everything is based on that. Like, oh, what was your box office? Whatever. And they're like, don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. Don't even worry about it. It's fine. Like, <laughs> they're not required to. Yeah. Now, it's a, it's just what's done. You know. Yeah. Like, if they're bragging, fine. But to just be like, nah, that's <laughs> hilarious to me. Like, ask nah, me it later. Doesn't really matter. You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> 
Just go see the movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, you know, do it. Well, it, you know. It does bum me out they didn't do better. I didn't see that movie. I haven't seen it yet. It's, um, I um, really, I've I've heard, like, middling, I really enjoyed the first two. Um, and was like, yeah, I this is funny to me. I remember when XXL came out and there were, like, big cardboard cutouts you could get a picture with with like the dancer guys oh, and yeah. i certainly did do that I was they like, were yeah. doing the pride parade that year like joe yes. manganello and a bunch of them were in the pride parade that year bless them <laughs> i did hear that this one was more like if what you were hoping to get out of the original ones was his entrepreneurial spirit then have we got the magic mic for you? And I'm like, I, I kind of feel not, like it's an infomercial for the magic mic stage show that currently <laughs> is running in like Vegas and London and somewhere else. Mm, nice. All right. Well, speaking of running, there's a new Fast X trailer that dropped last Friday. We finally got a peek at the trailer for Fast X and it had some fun surprises. Super Bowl Sunday gave us a little more Fast X and uh, with an additional teaser trailer drop, we got Rita Moreno. We got bad Jason Momoa. We got Rome. We got Brie Larson. We got John Cena, Alan Richson, and we got to talk about it. So, uh, you know, is this important? Do we care, Fast Family? So you guys know I haven't seen this because I don't see trailers. If I can avoid them, quick cue. Same. You just listed all of these things. Is Rome a person? The city. The okay, Eternal City, the rest of say. the things you listed yeah. were actors, well, the, and I was like, is that like a WWF person? Should I <laughs> yeah, know no, who Rome is? Look, I'm, I'm riding I'm with you, Drea. I am also uh, trailer blindness as much as I want to see it, despite that one film bro who's like, I feel bad that Brie Larson went from making The Room and now she's doing this this franchise drivel. I'm like, oh cool. man, Hope I'm sorry. Hope you were just as condescending to Charlize Theron and Helen Mirren. Isaiah, Rita Moreno, like they 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 keep adding Oscar winners to this thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yes, like, in Rome, damn. there's a whole sequence involving Kinesis' rental apartment. It's going to be very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Alonzo on fire today. I broke my rule about watching trailers and I did watch this one. And uh, what I will drop is the nugget. I think we are not talking about nearly enough is that we are finally getting the Charlize Theron, Michelle Rodriguez smackdown. Oh, oh, okay. I'm very much looking forward to that. That's good to know. Obviously, we will be discussing this motion picture on this year's uh podcast. Yes. Oh, yes. I'm psyched. I didn't know Alan Richson was in it. I feel like I'm in the small pocket of people that loved Reacher, his TV show, in which he's so, so good in it. I like that big hulking gentleman. And also, duh, of course he's in this. What am I thinking? (laughs) You think that guy's not eating bread and picking up bricks every day for to not be in Fast X? Hell yeah. The only piece of the the trailer I've seen was Jason Momoa licking a knife. And I was like, I've seen all I need to see. <laughs> I've seen all I need to see. I'm in. I, I'm, I was in, but I'm. I haven't seen that, but I've pictured it. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's going to break the family apart, you guys. Oh, oh, I'm excited. Well, speaking of breaking the family apart, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, we're talking about you people.
I'm Jordan Morris. And I'm Jesse Thorne. On Jordan Jesse Go, we make pure, delightful nonsense. We rope in awesome guests and bring them down to our level. We got stupid with Judy Greer. My friend Molly and I call it having the space weirds. Pat Oswalt. Can I get a Balrog burger and some Aragorn fries? Thank you. And Kumail Nanjiani. I've come back with cat toothbrushes, which is impossible to use. Come get stupider with us at MaximumFun.org. Look, your podcast app's already open. Just pull it out. Give Jordan Jesse Go a try. Being smart is hard. Be dumb instead. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Ify Wadiway, and the studio with me are... Drea Clark. Kenise Mowgli. Alonzo Duraldi. The movie we watched today was directed by Kenya Bears, who's probably best known for his work in television. It was co-written by Bears and star Jonah Hill. It's a Netflix original that came out a few weeks back on the streaming service. So, Alonzo, would you mind giving us a brief synopsis of you people? Uh, sure. So Jonah Hill plays a financial advisor in his mid 30s. Um, he is pressured frequently by his mother, played by Julie Lee Dreyfus, to settle down and find a wife. They are very much part of the uh, L.A. Westwood Jewish enclave. Uh, but he is uh, of the generation that grew up immersed in hip hop culture. He does a podcast on the side with his best friend, played by Sam Jay all about sneakers and and hip-hop and various other topics, the culture, as he likes to say it, and uh, falls in love with a a young um, fashion uh, designer uh, named uh, Amira, played by Lauren London. Uh, And these two unlikely folks hit it off, but their families are another story. Her dad is... uh, very into the nation of Islam. And he is played by Eddie Murphy in his perhaps most deadpan role ever, which I really enjoyed. Uh, So, you know, can these two crazy kids make it work coming from such vastly different backgrounds? That is the question in you people. So, uh, you know, I, I gotta say this, uh, this film continues the, the media lie that is uh, that there's uh, lots of money and glamour in the life of podcasting. <laughs> what was Sam Jay's job? What was Sam Jay's job? Did, that was a big ass loft. What did she do? I need answers because obviously, you know, he had a second job, uh, but you know, I, and we're going to get into the movie, but I always have to talk <laughs> about this whenever I see the a lavish podcast. And then the podcast wasn't successful. Remember that's no, the, that that the journey of the movie they yeah. were getting it off yeah. the ground yeah. and it was the idea that they were going to his character arc was like taking the leap leaving his comfortable job so he could push himself after his dreams of you know being a podcaster and i'm like well wait how do you that's not like uh oh i'm gonna go sell these dvds out of my trunk in the parking lot like that's such a nebulous arbitrary good i think yes. movies I mean, just don't know how podcasts work oh of course yes yeah. naturally loaded loaded it probably comes across in everything we say i i barely i don't look people aren't allowed to look me in the eye anymore with that's why our what's good are always about you know wintering in bamf or whatever (laughs) exactly okay so i think i mentioned this to you guys or maybe just alonzo i had not heard of this film like we decided to do it I realize this is my recurring thing of, wow, Drea, for someone who works in film, you are pretty <laughs> effing clueless. But I hadn't heard of this and I wasn't aware that it was a Kenya Barris. I watched, I think, all of Blackish. I didn't see the spinoffs, but like his stuff, 
get it, but I did not know that's what I was going into. So when this movie starts, you get this voiceover of Jonah Hill and Sam Jay at their podcast, which I found hysterical. The first 10 minutes of this, I was like, this is going to be great. I'm laughing. I'm thinking. I'm enjoying. And then the irony that Lauren London would be in this when she's had to push her way through so many Tyler Perry movies, which always seem to do this. There were like that divide of, oh, we have the message of this movie. And then we have these scenes where we're going to keep every single joke that we think lands, whether or not it makes sense for the pacing or how humans talk or whatever. And then because of that, you know, it's, it's a, it's a film that is, hoping to have this conversation about with some nuance, with some hilarity about the cultural differences, possible similarities. But it, it was so like each scene to the next, I was like, I wonder which broad swing am I going to be on in this, in this scene? Yeah. I mean, the thing with this movie is this, uh, it is very much carried by the funniness of it for me. Like, you know, the jokes of Jonah Hill, Julia Louis Dreyfus, like the, like it had Sam J just being oh my God, I herself, which is super funny. Like that, like that is what, like I, I just had this conversation today in a friend's group chat where it's like, that's why I'm like, I love this movie. Because if we start going through the structure of it, if we start going, my, you know, Cody Zick, friend of the pod said that uh, when you have a rom-com and you skip through the falling in love part with the edit, you should be uh, <laughs> executed by firing squad. <laughs> that is, uh, that is a quote. Uh, well, that's but that's like, the afterthought of this movie because it, yeah. it's so much that like that's the last thing they're interested in is their actual relationship and more about what it's what it means, you know. They had so many times where it was like, so this is the moment where I'm going to see why they like each other or why. Oh no, I'm not. I'm not going to see any part of that. That'll truly just be like put music over it and have them move their mouths. It's not important. Don't worry about what it is that attracts these people to one another. Let's go back. We've got we've got to spend more time talking about race in the same exact way that we were talking talking about it in 2005 we can't advance past that we need it to be just like the way that we did it so maybe that your mom or dad can get involved like don't get me wrong raised black went to a black school but like i don't know all the references and for me to get every reference in this movie i'm like this isn't black enough and that i i recognize that's a me problem but i was like you guys have got to step it up because every white person gets all these references okay make it some real black yeah. shit yeah dear well, white people made me google asada shakur at least you know. thank yeah. you make them yeah. google make them yeah google. yeah it was it was yeah it was very interesting because it was a very like uh after school special ask take on it which you know i was hoping that it was gonna like spin it but i think the spin that they had was like what if we approach it from both sides but it still is like you know like it like it just was so surface level also i was one thing that kind of (laughs) made me laugh is just showing the difference between the timing of something like guess who's coming to dinner in this where like back then it was a big big deal to have your family co-sign someone and all this but when they split up i'm like what like y'all like each other and you're splitting up because your parents didn't like you know i love my mom to death but like she knows i've told her to her face that oh it doesn't (laughs) matter if you like who i date you know it's that's just an icing on top but if you don't and i love them then i'm just going to keep it pushing and i think that's most people 
in this generation. So like that's that just is another thing that like really doesn't land in this movie because you're kind of looking at it. And then you just kind of, there's some things that were kind of smushed in for time that I really don't work. Like the wedding in the sneaker store. Can you imagine being starting your wedding and what you're wearing that day? How did you get everybody to come there? And like, hold, how did you get like, I was like, here, I'm the guy who like, thinks that a movie where a giant robot smacks a kaiju with a boat is a perfect movie. And even I was like, I don't, I can't suspend my disbelief for all the moving pieces that had to work for this to happen. Okay. I'm just going to put it out there. I absolutely could produce um, a secret wedding in a sneaker store. So just I'm available for you. If something like that does need to come to fruition. But I think one of the other elements of this is you're getting it on both sides, but on what we see from her father, the Eddie Murphy character, who I will say, introducing him walking in slow motion, wearing a shirt that says the FBI killed Fred Hampton. I was yeah. like, no, like, however many decades ago, they did not know that Andrea Diane Clark was going to laugh this hard looking at him. <laughs> like, they did not think that's where this historical moment would end up with I laughed so hard at that I was like and he had his Malcolm X glasses on but his character is aggressive his whole thing is he's aggressive aggressive whereas Julia Louis-Dreyfus's character the negativity she's bringing is microaggressions and there's something really interesting to be explored in that in the idea of how harmful both of those things can be to the people who are receiving it or being targeted with it. But there's also, you're doing something when you're trying to equate them as the exact same level as damaging that is hurtful to the lesson that should be learned. Because I feel like a lot of, oh, my fellow white women could watch that and be like, okay, I see that you're trying to teach me something about microaggression, but you're trying to say I'm as bad as this guy who's like, I can't even remember like the aggression aggressions, but it's just this thing. I'm like, you, what you want to be sort of teachable moments are now distancing from the people that could have a takeaway. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, for me, the, where, uh, and as much as I, I did laugh a lot in this, I, I yeah. agree the, the, yeah, a lot yeah. of the jokes do land, but the, this, you know, Kenya Barris has, I think if you do sitcoms long enough, you sort of can't, shake this notion of like I don't want to take this too far I don't want to alienate anybody I don't want to be too angry or mean I want everybody to learn and come together and hug at the end so I can't take it to a place that's too uncomfortable that's too you know that that, that delves into issues that are too tricky but this is a movie that wants to wrap its arms around like you know white millennial kids who grew up drenched in hip hop culture and think that that gives them a passport to enter the black world, which it does not. But he also wants to talk about like black anti-Semitism, basically. And it's like, yes, let's talk about those things, but we can't be this nicey nice about it or we're going to wind up with this kind of yeah. half Z's 
you know, camel horse created by committee. That's a camel, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's really what it is. Alonzo where it's like, I see the vision and honestly, if they would have took that swing, it couldn't have been more timely. You yeah. know, when this yes. first came out, people were like, why do we need a, a video about blacks, people and Jewish people getting along? And then, you know, Kyrie and uh, Kanye showed us why, uh, you know, so, so like it really could have not. And I think it, by trying to play the softer approach of like, let's do this in a way that doesn't make anyone feel bad. You're just kind of like, you know, the closest it got was the dinner conversation. And even then was just like a one Oh one level, like let's get deep into it. And also that's, I think why it was hard because you had these character types, like a, like Julie Louise Dreyfus character was like the funny archetype of, you know, the, the mom trying to do, I've met that mom a, a bunch of times. I've had to, you know, uh, <laughs> go on trips with that mom. I've seen that mom, that mom is real. That mom would have but, voted for Obama a third time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, but there it, it's, but I do agree with Drea where it's like this person trying to do right equated to this man who's like, I agree with Farrakhan who said disparaging things about Jewish people. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that, that I'm, I'm sorry, but those don't add up because Farrakhan was saying some wild shit. Uh, and, and it just was kind of like, ah, yeah, they, it's, they treat the race conversation in the same way they treat the dating where they kind of gesture towards it. Like this is where that conversation would go. And then, it just disappears after that dinner. I don't think they have a substantive conversation, even though both people um, stand up to the opposing parent. They don't. I don't see them really standing up to their own parents or saying what I think. Especially since he's supposed to be thirty-five in this movie. Any thirty-five-year-old that I know would be like, "Hey, you guys got to chill. Stop doing this. Absolutely not." And they don't seem to have their own agency as a couple to yeah. do any of that. And that was really frustrating that these people who, again, theoretically love each other, we didn't see that happen, uh, are supposed to stand up for each other. And I really don't see that coming to fruition. Can you well, say uh, such a good point? And the, the, what you said earlier, like, I've said this many times in any, if it's rom-com, if it's just a romantic drama, I want to be in love with this couple's love. Like, I want to see it. It can be fluffy and light and whatever. And the frustrating part is, it, it is hinted at. Like, what I did hear about this film before I saw it was, A, the thing about the kiss, which we can definitely talk about. But related to that was, oh, they had no chemistry. So I was, like, just expecting just... And then I was like, no, this is fine. I can see these people dating. Who else is going to date this man in his tie-dye sweatsuit <laughs> but a woman in fashion? Like, yes. And then so you get hints of it. You're like, oh, like, the, their whole thing is their first date. They're at this restaurant so long that, like, they close it down and they dine through, like, all of these other people and they're engaged in conversation. Or, like, you have this cute moment sort of under the sheets. Like, there's just – it's just almost there. But, yes, the idea – I'm like, oh, you think I would rather hear them argue with their parents – then connect or challenge each other. And because it keeps going back to the parents and the parents being the arbiter of these aggressions, it also means that it's entirely on the parents' shoulders when we get to this like climax and resolution. So, and you never see the grown adult moment of these people standing to their parents and be like, you know what? We're going to draw a boundary. We are creating a family and you cannot be a part of it if you're going to address my partner like that. Like, yeah, those well, are th that's not how it works at and, all. And the problem part of the problem with the Jonah Hill character is they create him as being somebody who is so incapable of 
like conflict or standing up for himself that he can't even tell he can't even like have a normal conversation with his own boss or even quit his, his job in a normal way so then when eddie murphy flummoxes him it's less about the race stuff or the you know how eddie murphy feels about this guy dating his daughter than his general inability to deal with any authority figure yeah yeah. yeah, and I, I do, I liked Jonah Hill in this. Fine, I was like, yes, I like. I said, I found him very oh, funny. I liked his rapport with Sam J. What were you going to say, Ify? Yeah, yeah. I also like my my other gripe because I, like I said, the, the thing that that made me be like, I still like was fucking with this movie was the comedy yeah. was this, but also there was something that I that both supplemented what I liked and disliked about it, which was this was a movie that it felt like, you know, I grew up in L.A. This was a movie that felt like it was showing L.A., but it was a movie that fell feels like somebody who doesn't like who didn't grow up in L.A. One first thing, this is this is not an L.A. specific. This is just a Jewish specific. There's no way that Jonah's character would have went to Yom Kippur and not be able to have a yarmulke. They give those out when you walk through the door. So like, that was why it was like, I left in a car. I was like, what are you talking about? Like I've been there. Yeah. They, they got it for you. Don't worry. They're going to make sure it's on your head before you step in. That's that's I trust me. Um, but the other thing is like, if you are a Jewish person who grew up in West LA, you are well aware of Bloods and Crips. Like it isn't a new thing. You wouldn't come in and be like, who is this? Uh, who are these guys in blue? You would, you would know. Like you, like it is, trust me. All, I, like, thought, I even, read that scene that he did know. He just didn't know he was going into a space like that while wearing a big red hoodie. Like he, at least he yeah. walked in and at least was like, uh, rut row. <laughs> Well, it was the moment when he was like, who's white cuz? It's like, you know, you white cuz. Oh, yeah, that was. You know, only one white and a cuz. You know, it's like, you you white cuz, bro. You know, you white cuz. But also, but I but I will say I did like that it showed. Also, like, you would know a black place to say you wouldn't make up Langston Hughes Park. You know, like. And like, I me, love Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles, but I would not take my would-be fiance's parents nuts. there. No. That was, that was nuts. That was such a. Yeah, it's so funny because, like, he's so smart about about things but then in scenes and it feels like just the convenience of the situation he just becomes dumb about things like he he was like smart enough to like sweep this black woman off her feet and be real and relatable which i did buy based on the version of him that we saw up until that point but then we see him make mistakes i'm like all the stuff that he would have needed to know to get this woman, this specific type of woman that you're selling to us, he he should have known like right here. It's and especially you would lean, you we can lean into it. Also, like I cackled when it was like going through the Jewish, um, uh, like the temple, and he was the only one in sneakers. I was like, oh, so you haven't met writers or comedians? Uh, <laughs> you, you haven't met Joe Mandy? Uh, you know, you <laughs> like you know, it's like it's like the like this is the like you look Jewish dudes love sneakers. Uh, we talk about it all the time in the writers' room. Trust me, uh, it's not a w- weird thing. But like I said, a lot of the jokes hit, and you know, they brought out the, they brought a lot of goats out in this movie, like a lot of comedy goats, both Jewish and black. It was wild. My, the pulse. yeah mike apps is a hundred percent like a red flag factory but in so many ways <laughs> but also like always funny to me I, every time yeah. i'm oh, like yeah. oh i don't feel good but i'm always laughing but he makes me laugh him repeatedly calling um 
Eddie Murphy's character Woody, which is his name before yeah. he converted, it made me laugh. He's like, okay, Woody. I don't know why. Just that was funny. <laughs> at, look, well, at Temple, so where you're going to regularly see Elliot Gould and Richard Benjamin, yeah. sign me up. Oh, yeah. But it's like, that was real, too. Like, you know, like, that's the such a, like, I think that's what Kenny's is talking about, where it's like some of that realness, where it's like, yeah, if you change your name because you're Muslim, yeah, that that uncle is definitely going to be the one who's going to call you your old name. He's not going to care how many times you tell him. He's like, nah, you Woody. I don't care what you say. I don't care who you pray to. You Woody. You know, like, that was real. So it was like so many, like so much like good and bad which was so interesting about this movie but now it is time for us to vote and Kenise, uh, how we rate things on this pod is screen it being the highest stream it being the middle level and skip it being self-explanatory so who wants to kick it off i will say that this is a stream it uh, there are a lot of problems here and i think that it doesn't have the courage of its convictions and yet Every five or 10 minutes, I let out a solid guffaw, you know? So, like, there are some funny bits. Murphy, Louis Dreyfus, you know, old pros at this, nailing it, really, like, you know, squeezing every last drop of comedy out of this turnip, even when the the material isn't there for them. So, yeah, you'll be able to very easily pick it apart. We have just barely got started. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, I was not not entertained, so stream it for me. I would also be a stream it. I, like I said, thoroughly enjoyed it until I realized I was like, oh, this is, this is going to diverge into two roads and it's going to follow both of them. Um, And so there's a little (laughs) disconnect for me, but I, I like the thought or the, the, the provocations. Like I like what I'm being asked to think about. I just wish they were handled with a little more nuance, but thankfully the humor was enough. And the small thing that I alluded to before if you're not familiar please go google there's a whole weird thing with the like final romantic kiss at the altar with them where one of the small like uh uh, character actors was like yeah they didn't kiss in real life like they were like inches from each other and they cgi'd it so then if you go you're like yeah that's a cgi'd kiss for sure part of it may be this was shot during deep deep COVID precautions, like when everything was kind of divided into different sections on set, and it was a big scene with a ton of people. You do see them kiss earlier in it, but it is still a hilarious note for me because I'm like, I don't know if I would have noticed that fake kiss. Like there's (laughs) fake rose petals that drop so you you don't notice how like their mouths are like pixelated. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to rewatch it to see that part, and I will just watch the kiss part. Okay, so for... People who are my mom's age, I'd say stream it because some of these ideas <laughs> would be new to you and you'd be like, wow, a cutting edge commentary versus I think millennials would be like, I have heard this. And I, in fact, I have seen episodes of Blackish and you don't resolve any of this. These are ideas that we've communicated before. So for millennials, I'd say it's a high skip it, low stream it for Gen I'm not even Gen X for uh, the greatest generation and <laughs> boomers. Uh, <laughs> boomers, yes. Uh, if you remember World War II and it like affected you directly, uh, I'd say probably you could stream or Vietnam. Yes. Yeah, or Vietnam. Yeah, or Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate the nuance you gave to that voting is exactly what this script could have used. Yeah, <laughs> that level yeah. of specificity. Yeah, iffy. Yeah. 
Oh man, you know, this is going to be a streamer for me. Like, like I, I mean, you probably saw it coming where like, there's lots of problems, but I still think this is a funny movie. That's going to make you laugh. There's fun moments. I actually really like the Drake exchange. I was like, this is so hyper specific. <laughs> like, like that I fucking dig. And like, there's uh, Sam J. I just love everything she's in she cracks like she just she just has this like matter-of-factness delivery that always gets me and she just reminds me of every friend i grew up with and i think you know eddie murphy had like great scenes i i think the uh mo um <laughs> has titties moment is very oh funny and um Taco from, you know, Odd Futures rise to like being like uh, an, an acting force. He's been in Dave and now he's on here. And, you know, he's he's in not that many scenes, but I do. You know, he's he was taking some swings that I like. Um, you know, he's not yeah. in this movie and it shocks me. Iffy Wadi Way. How yeah, I, this, this definitely... movie started. And when you met her ex-boyfriend, who was super cute and I absolutely looked him up. I was like, if you better be in this movie, like I've already been in like three sneaker stores. What is happening? Look, I'm getting I'm getting close to the Kenya camp. Okay. You know, Phil, uh, you know, uh, who made Grant Crew is my friend Good. and boss uh, is is close with Kenya. Uh, so I'm I'm there. It's, it's, it's getting real close. Next uh, and, the next one, and, you can do a fake CGI kiss. If he well, you know, I'm I'm going for Niger ish. You know, I'm going for Niger ish <laughs> for the uh, Nigerian American. Uh, that experience. name's not going to pass censors. Let me just tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Standards and practices is not having it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, shit. On that note, we'll be right back after we hear from another show for Maximum Fun. Hi, I'm Hal Loveland. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. And we're the hosts of We Got This with Mark and Hal, the weekly show where we settle the debates that are most important to you. That's right. What arguments are you and your friends having that you just can't settle? Apples or oranges? Marvel or DC? Fork versus spoon. Chocolate or vanilla? Best bagel. What's the best Disney song? We Got This with Mark and Hal. Every week on Maximum Fun, we do the arguing so you don't have to. Oh, all answers are final for all people for all time. We got this. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Ify Wadi Way. In the studio with me are Alonzo Duralde and Denise Mowgli, Drea Clark. And today we have a hotline email from Jason, who wrote in a while back. Hello, wonderful podcast people. Oh boy. I recently watched the Daniel Radcliffe movie Horns, and it's certainly a bad movie, but there's a lot of concepts and even several entire scenes within the runtime that could have made for a really unique dark comedy if they had handled it better. What are some bad movies you have seen that keep coming back to you as a frustrating waste of potential? Much love and all hail the queen, Drea, Jason. <laughs> I was going to mock I, that accent, but that is exactly who I want worshiping me. <laughs> Somebody from I don't even know. I don't even know what accent that was. Yeah. <laughs> this will not surprise you guys. I know uh, definitely the first movie that comes to mind because I've daydreamed about remaking it with this entire cast. And no, it's not Holiday in Handcuffs because as much as I do want to remake that, um, I, I would make it again with, of course... 
um, Melissa Joan Hart and Mario Lopez, same exact script, but it, the existing one is also perfect. So like both, both can be true. The film that, I, and there's many of these and, and we've probably talked about them, but like 10, 11 years ago, there is a film by Andrew Nichols that called In Time that Ooh. I would stab someone. I would go back in time. Like, are you kidding me? It's Justin Timberlake. It is his leading man. He's He had already done um, the, the rom-com with Mila Kunis that you guys know what oh. I'm talking about. Uh, no strings attached. No strings. Friends no, with benefits. Friends with benefits. Thank you, Camille. Okay. Um, and he had done. He was great in the like social network. His whole thing. You're like ah, Razzle. But this was like ooh, you get Justin Timberlake breaking through as a leading man, but in like a sci-fi with action. Um, it's Amanda Seyfried who was like coming on up. Cillian Murphy is the bad guy. Olivia Wilde who plays Justin Timberlake's mother because this takes place in a future where no one ages past the age of 25 and currency has been switched with time. And so it's there's possibilities of doing class commentary, um, how the wealthy control the world and what that would look like if that also involved time and aging and all sorts of things. Like There's so many interesting constructs. But it's also a soft sci-fi that those things can come across without like, oh, we need to build a whole metropolis. Like, it's just all of these things could have been so good. And like literal like ticking bomb thing of, oh, there's action elements. And what it fell flat on every level. Like all of it is great premise, great cast, great idea. Like, oh, that's like if you've never heard of this film and you heard me describe it, you're like, oh, that's amazing. Like. The whole thing is he starts poor. He gets a bunch of years given to him by Matt Bomer, who's like, I'm over it. I'm over it. And then people think he murdered him for them. And then it's a race against whatever. Like, that's great. And it is such a thud. And yeah. there's something so specific, right, about watching a movie that you're like, what? On paper? Wow. Be as good as you could have been in my head. A lot yeah. of times you nodding. I know you know that movie. I, I saw that movie and I totally agree with you. It's like it, it should work. And all the pieces are there. And yet somehow, uh, and I, I think we had, there were a couple of those this past year. Um, two that leaped to mind, um, both starred Margot Robbie. One is Amsterdam and one is Babylon. And I, I like both of those movies had so much potential made by interesting filmmakers set in interesting periods and about bigger ideas, whether it's, you know, the the notion of, you know, Amsterdam trying to dig into the idea of how close we came to tipping into fascism in the 1930s before we got into World War II, which is certainly relevant to the times we live in now, you know, or Babylon looking at the dawn of cinema and how it maybe sort of mirrors what might be the end of cinema, you know, and boy, both of those movies are just giant wastes of time and such such a letdown uh, but like you know cast brilliantly and like you know the costumes all the it's it's all there except the there <laughs> yes i second yes. that well for one of them i didn't even bother with the other <laughs> sorry babylon oh man my pick is 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 i i built it you know, myself uh, recently um, when I was in therapy and my my uh, 
I we somehow I'd said an offhanded thing about house party, and then my therapist proceeded to ask me to explain how um, why it was bad and how it could be better. Uh, and so I went, uh, my, my pick was that you go with the Bill and Ted's, uh, reboot approach where it should be uh, kid and play's daughters, because we've already seen the male perspective. Let's see the female perspective on this and reboot it with these women trying to do a house party. Keep it very simplistic. Keep it at, at a house party. We can get the celebrity cameos, but that comes later uh, when they're trying to uh, you know promote this party on social media. And we get to see it grow and go out of the hand that way. Um, I Side note. I'm now mm -hmm. just wanting you to know that I am of the belief that you workshop all of our podcasts with your therapist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. You're like, you know? let me use our time together so I can run these bits by you. Look, it wasn't even me. I I'm going to put them on our multi-million dollar podcast. So <laughs> it's important I get a professional review. Yeah, no, I just, I made an offhanded, you know, uh, comment. And then it just all of a sudden uh, turned into a whole... Uh, explanation no i like it i like it uh Kenise, yeah. you got one you want to add yes okay so i was so excited to see three thousand years of longing last year oh. and i really wanted to because like mad max was like i remember seeing that in theaters like how much that meant to me and like just something that is tight and everything has something to contribute to the story these characters all of it and i really enjoyed that and so i was hoping for something and i was like what a strange concept and the first act kind of gives me, like, maybe there's, if this grows in the right direction, it'll be something that really sticks with me. But then the last act, I was just like, what now? What? But why are you doing that? But why? Don't, please don't. Oh, no. What? Five Gs to blame? I can't. I'm sorry. I have to. This this movie isn't, it's not good, and I want it to be good so badly, but it's. It's making me sad that it's not good. Yeah, I'm going to hurt myself nodding my head in agreement. <laughs> like uh, flailing over here. Yes, yes, a thousand times yes. I had a, ve a very, very similar reaction to that. And that cast, that premise, that budget, that traveling through space so and time. Like, are so you kidding me? 5G is to blame. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, what a yeah. good... Thank you, my leash. Thank you, Jason. Yeah. Yes. Jason, you're knocking question. it out the park. Thank you so Solid much. Q. However you actually speak. Yeah, um, <laughs> probably just like I did. Uh, probably. Uh, and remember that you can be like Jason and write into the hotline too. Write to MaximumFilm at MaximumFun.org or leave us a voicemail by going to MaximumFun.org forward slash hotline. Now it's time for staff picks. It could be any movie at all. Who wants to kick this off? Well, I want to tip my hat to uh, one of the underappreciated players of you people, and that would be Nia Long as uh, as the mom. Doesn't get nearly enough to do, but she definitely gets some moments that are choice, and you know her comic timing remains brilliant. Um, she is also on screens right now in Missing, which is a really entertaining movie. I did not see Searching, which I need to go back and do, I understand, um, which was the movie where John Cho was trying to find his daughter, and he was you know, using her digital footprint as much as possible and trying to figure out, as an older person, how to navigate the internet the way that 
that his teenage daughter does. Uh, missing flips the script. Nia Long is the mom who goes missing, and it is her daughter, played by Storm Reed, who is very good at uh, figuring out uh, how to, you know, parse mom's passwords and do other bits of hackery and, you know, uh, find a task rabbit guy in another country uh to to do footwork uh when necessary but the whole movie pretty much happens via her computer screen uh this is sort of of a piece with not only searching but unfriended and um I was on the edge of my seat. This movie brings you lots of great red herrings. You think you know where it's going to go, and it zags instead of zigs. A uh, Storm Reed is terrific and spends almost the entire film in close-up and really works it in a in a in a skillful way. Um, I had a really great time with this movie. I would say if you can see it in a theater. You know, you should because it's just there's so much visual data and information to take in. But if you watch it on your laptop, I suppose that will feel kind of meta as well. So anyway, check out Missing. Mm. I have a film that is also available in theaters and uh, streaming right now. It is Emily. Um, and that Emily in question is Emily Bronte. It is the directorial debut of actress Frances O'Connor, who many people might recognize as the lead in Mansfield Park. That is certainly one of the roles I adore her for. Um, and this is uh, the Bronte sisters when they're young. You get a lot of Emily traipsing through the moors. She develops um, an interesting, complicated relationship with the vicar. And if those aren't words that, like, to me, I hear all those and I'm like, oh, catnip. What? Oh, my God. Is it going to rain on them? Count me in. And it does. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting because there is the sort of historical fiction elements of the Brontes as this absolute um, d unexpected dynasty in the Western literary canon um, and the small competitiveness between them as women who were sort of self-taught and, and making things up as they went along. Um, but yeah, this is, this is also, it's the sort of swirling of her while she's creating Wuthering Heights. So Emily, check it out. It would also look good on a great big screen for completely different reasons than Alonzo's film. Antimacassar is on the way in spagotting, colon, at the movies with Drea Clark. I know. <laughs> yes, indeed. Whatever. I'm basic. I'm comfortable with that. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, this past week I was in a hotel, which means my staff pick uh, tradition of picking a movie I was forced to watch in my hotel room. And this time genuinely forced because for some reason the remote in my hotel room wouldn't allow me to change the channel. Mm -hmm. So I was stuck seeing what was on repeat. And I'm going to go with the original Bad News Bears, uh, which played twice. Bears. And I was like, oh, this is a, this is this is better than my other options, which was uh, the new Space Jam, which... Uh, mm -hmm. Boo. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. And then that fake Twister movie the is the one that um, they made a newer Twister one uh, with Matt Walsh in it. Into the Storm. That one was playing. Uh, yeah, no. I, so the pick is Brett, <laughs> Bad News Bears, yeah. the original. Good. Uh, Excellent. Canise, can oh, you yeah. possibly top Bad News Bears, the original? <laughs> I am so basic. Uh, you talked about being basic. I think I'm even basic-er, more basic. Yep. Uh, basic -er. The thing that 
basic herb. Uh, the thing that I liked the most uh, that I saw in theaters this week was Megan. <laughs> like, yeah. It, oh, yeah. Megan's I saw, fun. I saw Magic Mike 3. I saw a knock on the cabin or a knock at the cabin or whatever. And I saw Megan. And out of those, the most fun that I had was undoubtedly Megan. There were parts that I laughed. It's always nice to see Ronnie Chang in stuff. He's just like a really good asshole. And I think he plays that like fantastically. A doll that's like angry, I'm into it. As like it knows what it is. It's fantastic. Uh, there were some jump scares even. But man, oh man, I like that that little doll is just... Like, fucking up kids and dogs and things you're usually not supposed to. Yeah, Megan gives you that element I want in certain horror films, which is when I see a character introduced and I watch them say something jerky and I'm like, oh, they're going to (laughs) die. I like that. I like that moment. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Mm, That was great. Uh, So, you know, on that note, thank you. A major thanks to Kenise Moldy. Me. Of course, I plan to have you back again and as many times as you want to hop on here and talk movies. But where can people see you perform or keep up with what's going on with you? Sure. Okay, so the best place to find information about me is my website. It's KeniseMobley.com and KeniseMobley on Instagram. And please, 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 the record label will kill me if I don't mention it. Uh, listen to my debut album, which came out in December. It's called Follow Up Question. Nice. Congrats. I'm seeing, I'm seeing. Congratulations. If you go to the site, you'll see it. Got a good purple color story on the cover. You know, you got the glasses, you know. Um, Some people say that, uh, you know, I was the first one to walk on stage with big glasses in comedy. But, you know, I wasn't. (laughs) I wouldn't say that, but some people would say that. Uh, Alan Sherman. If you need to go get an encyclopedia to look up Alan Sherman, <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I'm I'm also gonna Google it like I did Kadisa's website. Uh, Dre and Alonzo, thank you for another wonderful show, and Alonzo for another deep cut reference for us to Google. Uh, and you, listener, thank you for listening. If you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show, tweet at us at maximum underscore film. Our Facebook group can be found at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash maximum film or send us an email at MaximumFilm at MaximumFun.org. Our producer is the wonderful Marissa Flaxbart. Our senior producer is Swish Dog, Laura Swisher. This is a production of Maximum Fun. Bye-bye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.